This show is made possible by our Patreon supporters. To get access to our exclusive content and support the show, visit www.patreon.com forward slash EABB podcast. That's www.patreon.com forward slash EABB podcast. Thanks. Welcome to the Early American Brass Band Podcast. I'm Chris Triano, joined always by Stephen Canistrisi. Hello. This is episode 49, and today we're speaking with Dr. Joseph Jefferson. Dr. Joseph Jefferson is the Director of Jazz Studies and Assistant Professor of Trombone and Euphonium at Southeast Missouri State University, and he's also the Jazz Content Area Editor for the Historic Brass Today, which is the Historic Brass Society's newsletter. It was really great getting to talk to Dr. Joseph Jefferson today about shout bands in the United States, uh, kind of a part of our ongoing uh, series of trying to fill in the gaps of the history of brass in America. So hopefully after today, uh, you feel much more well-rounded in your your shout band knowledge. Yeah, definitely. A, a, we think a great episode. Really, really excited to put this one out. Um, as always, if you like what you're hearing, you can support us on Patreon and Teespring. Uh, you can also follow us on all social media platforms. Um, you can get in touch with us on all social media platforms or our email address is eabb.podcast at gmail.com. And our website is www.eabbpodcast.com where we have show notes for every episode and a lot of other resources for you up there. So with all of that out of the way, we're really excited to get this one rolling. So here is our interview with uh, Dr. Joseph Jefferson. Great. So we have uh, Dr. Joseph Jefferson on the show today. Uh, Joseph, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks so much. How are you? We're, we're doing Very great. Good. Yeah, I don't want to speak for Chris, but uh, we're doing well. <laughs> I'm doing good, too. Okay. <laughs> good. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, well, not a little bit, a lot of bit about shout bands today. But before we get into that, could you give us a little rundown of, uh, you know, what your musical background is and, and how you got really interested because you devoted your doctoral research to shout bands. So kind of maybe your background and where that interest uh, kind of germinated from. Well, my background, I self-taught trombonist. And so my original, I guess, education, if you will, started out in church singing, uh, playing behind my mom in church. So those were the, the humble beginnings uh, in which I really gained an appreciation for melody, um, improvisation, um, um, uh, structure, form in terms of just understanding these basic mechanics, syncopation. And, and, and I didn't know those things that those at that point in time of how critical that was. 
but I, I slowly realized when I got to undergrad how much far ahead I was some of my peers because I was dealing with that stuff at, from such an early age. Uh, and so it was it was just a really remarkable education, if you will, to have that. But during my undergraduate studies at Norfolk State University, which is a historically black uh, university, um, I the trombone community in terms of that band is very tight knit and there's a tradition um, that has been around around for just years probably over 30 40 years just in terms of that trombone community even the people that that have went on and graduated from there they still come back for homecoming they still bring their horns they still play so it's 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 almost like this this huge fraternity just in terms of the trombone community and so but being in that space that's where i kind of came in contact with people who were a part of the united house of prayer and who had played in the shout band tradition and so at that point you know me being from jared virginia it was a really small town you know all i knew was you know my upbringing but i and what i knew what my ear could really pick up uh as well as the the formal things that i was learning in terms of my instruction being in school but i knew how they played i knew that was different there was some secret sauce that was in there that was just yeah, you ain't getting this from just the Arbans. So what? So where? So so where? So where else is this coming from? And so I, I developed some really close relationships with those students and kind of learned from them and just kind of picked up some things just in terms of how uncanny they were with just their oral skills and how well they could really pick up things uh, and really learn by rote. Uh, in addition to, of course, all the formal stuff, learning, you know, how to learning how to sight read and, and all of those things that you learn in school. But being in Norfolk, again, I did I had no realization that that was like a huge um, area just in terms of the development of the United House of Prayer. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, the founder, um, Marcini. Um, Marcelino de Gracio, or or better known as Daddy Grace, uh, had a house right on Princess Anne, um, Princess Anne Road. Uh, and then so then when I started really kind of getting into it, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm in it, like, and I started looking at newspaper articles, and everything. And I started realizing that, man, there is a lot of uh, information um, that is near me. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So uh, I know that you're a member of the Historic Brass Society and you kind of have uh, the interests uh, along with Stephen and I in the history of brass, something that you know we're trying to do on the show, although we're focusing primarily on 19th century American brass bands, everything's interconnected and we're, we're very much interested in trying to help give our listeners a better understanding of musical traditions, you know, all the brass musical traditions that kind of got us to where we are today. So in addition to you know, 19th century early, early American brass bands. We're talking about uh, the Moravian brass tradition. We're talking about the Salvation Jeez. Army uh, band tradition. So uh, our listeners might be a little bit unsure of, of how the shout bands and the United House of Prayer kind of falls in that same avenue of, uh, of our research. Can you kind of give us uh, maybe at first the, the elevator pitch explanation of what a shout band is what the united house of prayer is and then we can we can dive in and, and pick it apart a little bit from there 
And I, yeah, I'll go there, but I'll even go one step further. When we start talking about the Moravian trombone tradition, that's the fundamental basis of the trombone ensemble that is in the university, in the university level, you know, and so very much how it serves a purpose in terms of this, um, I don't want to say, we have religious contacts in terms of, of having this similar to the shout band, um, similar to the Salvation Army, which does gospel tunes and Christian tunes. The shout band uh, is very much the same way. It is definitely paired with um, its religious, um, uh, a religious background uh, and focus for that. And much like those other ensembles, the purpose of having that ensemble was to move beyond being in the church to bring people in. You know, it was a, an uh, evangelical aspect to it to really make people uh, feel welcomed, to be able to let them know what we're doing in the church. Uh, and so I think that's a really big thing to to understand about this. You know, like what is that? You know, when you go look at a um, when you go to a, a, a football game right you know people go some people go for the football game but the football team is terrible they go to hear the band <laughs> right <laughs> and, and so the band is the biggest recruiting uh and the big the most visible thing on campus and so having these ensembles that are not only um providing um, musical that is for the the elevation of of their beliefs it's also something that can go out and reach people in the community and so this is definitely what the the shout band does um, but probably to an extent where uh, the moravian tradition and the the um salvation army tradition um with the shout band everything that's happening is by rote no. and so learning from a very early age this the the um the immersion process of just kind of being in it and understanding and hearing those sounds and those things up. So improvisation and just uncanny oral skills, uh, those are things um, that was a little bit different just in terms of there's not like music reading um, that you would see in some of those other ensembles, but in terms of playing the hymns, in terms of um, providing uh, a backdrop and a musical foundation for um, that service or that celebration that is happening, uh, it's definitely serving in the same capacity. Um, but moreover, you're now looking at a section that is primarily African American. And so that's what kind of you know, I guess would distinguish it, you know, being by being learning by rote, being primarily African American, but they all have their their purpose. Uh, and I think what they kind of align with is their purpose is they are out to, um, you know, of course, bring bring glory uh, and, and um, you know, really, really showcase um, the institution, as well as to continue to bring people in to find out a little bit more about it. I hope that kind of makes makes sense. I tried to bring it all together so that the listeners would <laughs> kind of know that, you know, it's not totally um, just kind of like a totally different thing. There are some definite similarities for sure. The distinction you made there, you know, about playing by rote um, is is super important, um, you know, because I it, it's, you know, just learning by rote and playing by rote is 
to me such a much more like natural expression or extension of the person and you know how, how you learn language and you know learn a whole bunch of other things in life that that musically you know by rote is that equivalent so that's that's a really that's a really good distinction to make you know that 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 sets them apart as well yeah absolutely and i find as a as an educator I, you know i truly make sure that my students have opportunities where they have to do that mm -hmm. because i think sometime in school we're so much dealing with the rep learn the rep mm -hmm. learn the scales okay great but what are these things happening like you play trombone like where's your tuning slot in your hand right here <laughs> you know are you using these things like i was in tune with the tuner Okay, great, but you weren't in tune with me when we were playing. Okay, the tuner's one thing, but when we play music, we play together, right? Yeah. We don't play with a tuner, so we have mm -hmm. to adjust to one another. So I think that's a really critical thing, uh, and I think that was one thing that really struck me when I started really researching um, the shout band tradition to just kind of see how well they really could pick up music, uh, and very quickly very quickly um and just really have a command over the instrument and i think also learning by rote uh and utilizing your ear it allow it kind of frees you from sometimes being confined to um what is necessarily what should be correct or what should be possible mm -hmm. for certain things uh, and and then you hear it in how they play sometimes, and it's like, it sounds like somebody's singing. It sounds like a group of people just humming when they get together. And that and that's just stuff that you just can't put in the textbook. That's just <laughs> stuff that is just organically done. Um, but it comes from a really um, um, loving place, and it comes from a, a, a place of honesty uh, and really trying to push forward, you know, African American traditions of call and response, uh, and syncopation, um, and blue notes, and um, the, um, you know, the ring shouts, and all of those things, all the way from, you know, the West African uh, and, and slavery, um, you know, traditions to incorporate that in that music. And so that's, it's just a really beautiful thing to really hear uh, when it comes together. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so I'm wondering, we were talking about these, these traditions that, you know, go all the way, all the way back. Um, in your research, were you able to kind of pinpoint um, like an origin for the all brass kind of manifestation of those traditions or, you know, a set of circumstances where that, cause I'm just wondering where the nuts and bolts, the all brass instrumentation of this kind of tradition kind of, kind of came from. So the early house of prayer worship, you be mindful. We, we have to be mindful of that we were dealing with because I'm going to go too too in depth with you all because we'd be here a while. But we have to be mindful of the circumstances of the people that were playing this music. So it wasn't necessarily um, to have a brass instrument was a a luxury in terms of doing that. So it was, mm -hmm. what did we have at first? So originally in early um, praise bands, I mean, it contended of, you know, string bands, mixed winds and brass, uh, tambourine bands. Uh, and this stuff was happening in the 1940s. 
uh, when this stuff was happening, uh, you really start to see the establishment of um, the, I guess, what you would see now in terms of the instrumentation of the shout band uh, really happened under the vision of, 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 of CM Grace, where he wanted to combine both sacred and secular music styles uh, in this, in this, um, in this kind of focus on how can we incorporate something that is going to be striking uh, and it's also going to um, kind of alert people and nothing does that better than a brass instrument. <laughs> like that's the kind of the, the, the point of the brass instrument was, was to be loud, to be a warning uh, and to really be there for them. And so you really start to see, uh, I guess like the first credit, the credit with the rise, uh, you know, because this was happening, but we can always say like, I would say um, George Harlan, uh, in Newport News, Virginia, uh, would be like the credit of the rise of the shout band, uh, and you and you see pictures of them, and you see you know eight trombones and a and a sousaphone um, um, that they have, and then the little set time. That's actually kind of where you start to see really kind of unfold, and much like every other genre, right? You have to have someone to establish something and then other people say oh i want to get involved in that and then it continues to grow and it continues to get bigger and so you really have to kind of look at the people that that really started it but it was definitely the vision of of of, of charles grace from what i've researched and, and what i've been told uh, that he wanted something that was going to bring people uh around and so to to talk about that to that extent um if you're going to if you're starting out right he came here from the cape verde islands and so if you come out and you're trying to expand the the church and so you're going to have tent revivals a tent revival is outside what's going to draw people in music Loud brass instruments <laughs> yeah <laughs> right that's going to bring people in right to find out what's going on and so the expansion of this happened through different southern tours that was happening around 1926 um and of you know of course you know that's when they were selling their own products to kind of build money and do all those different things but music was definitely at the center aspect of this uh and the just the amazing thing about it was they had church every day it was every night you know and so um just imagine the chops <laughs> if you're playing every night for extended you know amounts of time the amount of um tunes that you're learning uh and the amount of different things that are that are happening and the amount of different people that you're actually coming in contact with so i think the brass instruments really came it really came from of course the brass band tradition of seeing um oh man we have these these um, brass instruments, they can parade, they can they can walk around, they can be seen, they can be heard. This is something that would be very useful for the expansion of our church. And that's kind of how that kind of worked. And now it's definitely the forefront of, you know, most house of house of prayers, the, the trombone uh, is the is this is the center point. Uh, and the shout band is the center point uh, for music in that group in that uh, institution. Yeah, I know a lot of people as they're 
listening to this episode and maybe learning about shout bands for the first time. Hopefully they're hearing it throughout the episode, but then also when they go and, and explore it more on their own, they'll uh, have the idea of a shout band in their head, but it is primarily primarily a large trombone ensemble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you have a you know, you have the sousaphone or the back horn as they as they call it, and you know, the set time, which is the drummer. Uh and so, you know, it's a I mean, I just yeah, I'm a little partial to trombone because, you know, I play trombone, <laughs> but there's something about a trombone ensemble that can truly I mean, because you really cover all aspects in terms of range. And so whereas some other instruments just necessarily can't satisfy that in terms of with the ear when you, when you hear those different things. And so when you have those trombones together, it really it really creates something um, that is quite remarkable. And then, of course, having the slide, it really kind of helps and do the things that the, the voice could do, you know, with just being able to maneuver from different pitches and slide in between different notes with portamento and different things like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I'm I'm just trying to get the the timeline a little bit straight in my head. So you said at the rise in in Virginia that you were mentioning was like in the 1920s. No, so you had the you had the Southern tour which was happening. So the church was established in 1919. Okay, oh, yeah. 1919, and then around 1926. Um, so let me give you the whole timeline. 1919, the church was founded. Okay, um, it did not formally open until 1921. It was nationally incorporated in 1927. Okay. Uh, and then before 1927, there was a Southern tour because they wanted to expand and they really wanted to get brick and mortar churches because up until then it was just really tent revivals. And then the one church um, that was in West Warham, Massachusetts the original the original church uh, that was there and then and then you had in the 40s uh, you had the um, the uh, the co-ed ensembles the tambourine bands and then that really kind of transpired with the early instrumentations that was modeled after the 19th century brass band uh, where you would have trumpets you would have some saxes uh, you would have some bass drums, uh, and then it morphed into being the standard instrumentation in which you see today in terms of the um, the trombones. But I would say 90s, which is, you know, makes it pretty, you know, pretty mm -hmm. young uh, in that regard of turning of, of really having some formalized documentation. That's the earliest that I've seen, like formalized documentation of that, because you got to realize most people probably weren't like documenting this as as it was going but i'm very thankful that there were some newspaper articles and different things that really documented the people that really tried to step out and kind of do this so i hope that provides some kind of clarity in terms of it i wish i had a more definitive date but i i wish i had it for my research yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, if if anybody would have it it would be you so i'm, oh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm confident in uh and in, in that timeline right there as being pretty accurate. So that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> 
something that you and I had talked about a little bit offline in, in preparing for, well, I guess it was online, off the interview, <laughs> uh, preparing for this interview uh, was my trying to gain an understanding of if there was any connection to the New Orleans brass band tradition also. Mm-hmm. I know you just said that uh, some of the instrumentation and ideas were based on the 19th century brass band too. Mm-hmm. Is this tied also to that sort of early jazz in New Orleans or is it kind of have its own path? I would absolutely say that there are definitely similarities just in terms of the setup, the structural setup, uh, in terms of having leaders, in terms of using improvisation, in terms of um, playing, you know, hymns and gospel tunes. There's definitely some um similarities i i I don't want to necessarily pinpoint and say that they're they're one in the same but i would definitely say it's very characteristic of things that you would see if you would go down to new orleans and and you would see that um and with it being a you know um a southern a southern state those types of things and this is where the predominantly those houses are and they call the churches houses uh where those houses um are brick and mortar institutions, you know, uh, around the the southern states. Uh, And so I would definitely say that there are some similarities to how they approach um, performance. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of being a leader, in terms of utilizing improvisation, in terms of moving um, in a direction that is you're moved by the spirit you're moved by the music. Um, and so there's a connection with that. You know, I mean, a song can go as long as it needs to go. There's not like, oh, we're at that, the double bar is coming yeah, up, yeah. you know, we're, <laughs> done, we're, we're done, you know. That's not necessarily the case with this, with this group because this group is focusing on, you know, being there and serving the needs for the congregation and for that musical thing. So you don't want to necessarily as my, you know, my father-in-law is a a pastor, so you don't want to quench the spirit at the time, you know, when that's happening. And so I definitely see a correlation between those two, but I definitely see that they're, they're definitely different. And of course the sacred um, piece uh, with that, with the with the shout band tradition. Gotcha. If one of these bands are are playing one of these songs that doesn't necessarily have an ending, how how are these groups led, and mm-hmm. how are these groups yeah structured in a way that they're able to start and end together and sure. and play? You know, if multiple melodies happening, you know how all that stuff is coordinated. Well, there's based on my research, there's definitely a, a hierarchy. Um, there's a hierarchy. There's a leader. The leader's in charge of the entire band, responsible for organizing um, music, ensuring that all members, you know, learn the materials, teaching, uh, as well as serves as a spiritual leader for that particular group. Um, you have the run man. The run man is the person that directs the band from the front of the band. Uh, and you have the bass horn. The bass horn is responsible for setting the fundamental pitch, which is the sousaphone, and pretty much directs the band from the back of the band. So therefore, you got all three aspects, and there's this communication happen, much like a rhythm section. There's that communication that needs to be happening to make sure you're doing that. But in in outside of those things, you have these different subsects. You have the run horn section, which is the section that provides um uh, that constant heavy slide vibrato um uh counter melody 
um, to what the, the leader might be playing. Um, the leaders are going to definitely be employing improvisation, extended techniques uh, in their playing. Uh, the background section is providing the chordal structure, that vertical aspect to make sure that there's some harmony happening. Um, the bass horn, of course, is in priding, um, providing that fundamental um, pitch for it. Uh, the set time, uh, which would be like the drums, is providing um, the constant pulse. Uh, and the back time um, that is referred to as the musical accompaniment that's played at a low level. And so this is normally where people can kind of shout and kind of worship. It's kind of like it's like when you have something on the stove and it's simmering. That's what it is. That's the back time. And so when you get that feeling and it's like, oh, man, that just feels so good. And then they can they normally use that to go into different parts of the, the song, the different the ebbs and flows of the song. If they want to go to a climax on a part or they want to bring it back down and really just kind of have that thing simmer. So it was really interesting for me to kind of learn the structure because much like you, I, you know, I wanted to know, well, like, how does all this work? It, it just, you know, there has to be some kind of structure, but you know, Kenny Carr was very, um, you know, he kind of let me know how that worked. And the, the crazy thing about it is not really a crazy thing about it. It worked very similar to kind of how we did it at, at Norfolk State. There was a leader and everybody had a responsibility. When you have over 20 some people, you got to realize that there has to be other people that you check in with to make sure that we're kind of on the same path, much like a any kind of huge group that's traveling. Um, but it, it, it's really good that everyone knows their role, they understand their role, and they understand their purpose and how um, they contribute to the ultimate goal of making um, this beautiful music uh, that will be used for, you know, welcoming people and used for, for worship in their church. wondering um what the what the kind of musical content that these bands play are because I, I know that there's a very heavy tradition of improvisation um mm -hmm. you know in in the in the culture and everything and you know seeing uh and, and the little bit i know about how you know an organist will work in church underneath the the preacher and the pastor and and you know musically call out and highlight things is just something that's totally fascinating and so impressive to me so what's the what's the kind of musical content? Are there like, you know, are they out there playing hymns and then going off of that? Or is someone, you know, shouting a musical idea and the rest of the band's responding? What, what's kind of the play there? It's all of that. It's all of the above. And so, you know, it, it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, this is very like when I when you said it to me, I just I look like this and I'm like that's my church you know yeah. like i mean that's like that happens you know like and so and so it's kind of hard for me to kind of put my finger on it and be like this happens at that time when sure when the when the, when the, the pastor gets at that point and he reaches that level then we need to 
then we need to start moving just a little bit and 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 and, and start doing different things but i think it, it it truly comes back to doing what um the spirit leads you to do in that in that space mm-hmm. um but i think you know definitely primarily hymns um gospel gospel tunes uh and just different things that are you know in line for that service or whatever their particular um function is um for that uh, or purpose that they would have the group performing for at that time but yeah it's definitely led by um the spirit and of course the leaders will will um will take the charge of setting the initiative to kind of help the rest of the group on know how to react to to that if that makes any sense yeah is it kind of a thing where like uh like a jazz combo knows all the jazz standards kind of thing you could be like all right here's uh uh kiss to build a dream on or something like all right i know a key that's in they'll they'll be able to just kind of do it is that a thing where the band leader will just call out a hymn and everybody knows what key it's in and what the overall shape the mood of that particular song is supposed to mean yeah i mean you you also have to realize that you know i i would be at school sometimes and i could just hear them playing for hours like Mm -hmm. hear them like i'm i'm like blocks away and like i can hear them so it's like yeah they they put you see that they put in the hours they put in the hours that's why I put in the, they have put it that's why i got that i love that thing because that's why i just i point to my students i said today that you that you put in the hours okay um but no they you know they've it's just like any other group you know i don't see it as being any difference in terms of the amount of time that you've put together to to learn this music, to play this music, and they probably played some tunes over and over and over, just like a just like a jazz combo or a jazz quartet, um, and they know what key it's in, um, or they you know just like when you call out any other tune, they say, "Hey, we're doing this," um, and then they they go out. But again, like I said, the the ear, and then you have different people that are running the different sections those people are saying okay great this is what's going on this is the setup so it's really good to kind of see the communication i don't know if you all have checked out any um videos on on youtube just see the communication before they get ready to um to perform it's it's kind of it's kind of remarkable to see how they come together and they're and they're all in line like it's it's all it's all about the the focus of that performance there's there's you know there's just really nothing like it in terms of of kind of seeing that and so i hope that you know more people will be inspired to kind of find out a little bit more about this tradition um because this is an american tradition uh and this isn't a tradition that you know um, sometimes we don't always um (laughs) appreciate our american traditions and and i think we should because we have created some fantastic traditions um and fantastic music uh in this in the in this um uh, in this country and so and 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 in my opinion this is one of them and i will continue to be an advocate you know for this particular style of music because you'd be shocked at how many students that are in school that play my instrument that play trombone that's never heard of a shout band or never um kind of witnessed it and it kind of really brings a different piece to it um, to say, oh, this is what my instrument can do, or this is what other people are doing with their instrument. 
and it kind of really opens up. It's no different from you listening to a, a classical musician and you and you go, you know, the first time you hear Joe <laughs> or the first time, you know, you hear Stefan Schultz or, you know, or, or Winton, um, you know, or Andre Hayward, any of those people, it's like, okay, yeah, that's, uh, I got to go practice. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> and kind of kind of keeping this in the uh, the education and the the furthering of the the shout band would it be inappropriate if somebody wanted to start a band outside of the church like if like if if you wanted to do hands-on learning with this type of music at the university uh, would that be something that could be done? Granted, you know, you can't replicate something like, you know, sure. it's very difficult doing something like that with the whole culture and tradition built into it and Absolutely. being in the church and living it. But yeah, is there an academic reproduction ability of this or is that kind of disrespectful to this music? I, I don't know. That's kind of a hard question to answer because I think as a student, if you want to learn and find out about it, that is the environment in which you can do so to find out and to gain an appreciation of it. Uh, would there be a course for it? Probably not. But if that if you all if someone got together and said, well, man, I really would like to kind of figure that out or or just kind of have a deeper understanding of this particular music, I think it would be. And if it's coming from an honest place, um, I think I think that I think that's fine. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not a part of this um, uh, this church, uh, but I, I have a, a a lot of respect for the purpose um, and the purpose of this music and what it has done for the trombone community and what it has done for me, just in terms of opening my understanding to thinking beyond what is taught in the classroom because there is value there's just so much value you know there's just stuff that you just don't learn in the classroom uh and there's so much more you learn on the job because that on the job training that that's invaluable <laughs> so i think you know i think um to answer your question i think if people wanted to 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 do a little bit more and, and kind of find out a little bit more about it and play and try to mimic that i actually I, th I think a lot of that is happening because i think i hear a lot of players that are listening to it and and so when i'm hearing clips and i'm like okay i i hear the direction that they're that they're trying to go when they're playing that so i definitely think people are aware i definitely think people are um are finding out a little bit more about it and i think it's touching them on a soulful level that's a little bit more impactful and they say well I, I really like the way that feel how can i incorporate a little bit of that into my playing um but in terms of doing that like you said you got to live with it just like any other language uh you really kind of have to live with it and it, it really has to speak to you otherwise it's, it's you know it's not going to come off um the the, the way that you want it to come off um in that respect I, you know i think it's no different than people want to you know form groups that want to sound like um what is a young bloods brass band you know and they go and they do that and then they realize oh man that's pretty hard yeah yeah definitely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not easy playing that stuff like oh man they sound tight let's go and start that group yeah about that um <laughs> i don't have the chops for that <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. It's, it's that kind of thing but i do think um 
students that are intrigued about it that want to learn a little bit more and want to continue their development absolutely and then reach out to people who um are part of it um that was an amazing part for me you know a couple of my fraternity brothers i, I got to interview um that are a part of it and playing some really heavy i think um one of them um hank Bilal, he played at the Grammys. I forgot who he was backing up. It was a huge, huge artist. Uh, and she had um, she had a shout band behind her at one of the Grammys. I have to go back and find out which one. I'll send you all that. Um, but it was just pretty amazing to just see how he's done that. And then he's also able to kind of cross over to the secular aspect where he's using that now in a soulful aspect. So now it's this jazz piece, but it still has that, you know that there's something different when you hear, when you hear him play and, and that's, and that's his thing now. And so it's, uh, it's really amazing how people have been able to utilize what they've learned from playing in this group and really use it to branch off to do different musical things, both in secular um, and sacred um, arenas. musicians that come from this tradition that are now uh, kind of out there in the world, maybe was, doing other things, but came from I, that church? Absolutely. Yeah. Kenny Carr is a huge one. Um, and um, um, Jeff Bradshaw. I don't know if you all are hip to Jeff Bradshaw, but he is, he's hip. Um, he really got his start playing with Jill Scott okay. out in Philly. Uh, and so, um, uh, if you check him out, um, Jeff Bradshaw's heavy, really good sound. But I, I truly love Kenny Carr. And I just love his sound. He was just so impactful to me and a beautiful cat, just a really, really nice person. And he is um, he's probably, you know, one of one of my favorites. But, yeah, you definitely see people that are doing this. And, and as you start to see people pop up and I start to listen, your ear starts to open up and say, well, OK, that's. That's a little something. That's a little something that's in there in terms of that. So, yeah, yeah. that's um, it's good to kind of see people using that, uh, and you're you're really broadening out your audience, your reach. Is there any sort of built-in mentorship in the church? And like, are there like tiers? Like, is there like a young band and they graduate into the the adult band or or anything kind of like that? Because I know talking to. Uh, uh, we've had two episodes on the Salvation Army band tradition, mm -hmm. and they're kind of structured in that way. So mm -hmm. I was just kind of curious if there was anything uh, similar in the House of Prayer tradition. I think it's, you know, when when younger musicians want to learn about this, they start getting taught at that point. And then they kind of morph into, you know, of course, when they can hold the instrument and they can do what they need to do. And then they're, you know, if they want to do that, that's their service, you know? And so I don't, you know, I, there's not a, a youth band or anything for that matter, but they're definitely working towards to be a part of the band at that, at that particular house to do that. So there's definitely mentorship 
there's definitely guidance in terms of how to do things. I mean, you and you 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 definitely just see that, uh, you know, you see them learning from one another uh, in terms of, of of doing those things. Uh, and so I'm, I'm pretty sure just like any um, any other group, you know, if you know, if I'm in that group and, I, and I'm not a leader and I'm not playing the part when I go home, I'm trying to work out that melody, yeah, yeah. you know, and I'm like, so. So I have it just, you know, just in case, you know, one day, you know, when it's when it's my time, I have it. And that's just, you know, kind of like how we all do when we hear stuff and we want to continue to grow as musicians. We go home and we kind of work it out. Uh, and so but, yeah, there's absolutely mentorship just in terms of helping people, um, you know, uh, learn this music. And so that more people can so that can be a continual, uh, steady um, um you know, influx of people who are participating with it. But, you know, it definitely is a, a, ser a pretty serious commitment. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's a whole different challenge too. having young people coming in on trombone. It's like hopefully none of the songs go below fifth position. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real, you know, for real. So it's uh, sell, a, sell a lot of extended bones. Those yeah. Plastic, uh, and then, and then the also and then also, you know, they will utilize the, the, the baritone horn too. Um, for some of those that don't, that arms aren't quite as long, the baritone horn, those are instruments that they would use too, so that they can start participating. So uh, euphoniums a last resort is what you're saying? No, no, euphoni <laughs> euphoniums are part. You, euphoniums, da <laughs> that's funny. To talking to two euphonium players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Bar I would say, I would say the baritone horn. Not, I would say the baritone yeah, yeah, horn, yeah. as opposed to as opposed to the euphonium in that group, would be um, a, a staple, a, a part of that group, a fixed part of that group for sure, just because of the color and the different wonderful things that that instrument you know can do. You know, of course, back to the brass band tradition, you know, those frontward facing bells, you know, having those things, um, that's definitely a part of that group, um, and so it's definitely a part of the the structural makeup of having those. No. And then to help those younger students that can't, you know, that don't yeah. have the longer arms to do that. Mm -hmm. All the students, but younger yeah, members, yeah, younger yeah, members. Yeah, That's sure. the teacher coming out of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anybody under uh, 21 is a student, right? Yeah. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. Um, I'm a student. I'm still a student. I am yeah, still exactly. a student. I'm a lifelong student. I tell my students that all the time. I said, when you feel as though you have nothing else to learn, you are in trouble, okay? Yeah, because sure. when you stop learning, you're in trouble because there's something that you can learn from everybody. Everybody has value. Everybody has something that they can bring to the table. And that's how you continuously grow. Yeah, um, that's I just, what I love about this show too is, <clears throat> you know, I, I have the doctor at Stevens ABD or knocking on the door of ABD almost there. We're learning stuff every week doing doing these interviews and it's uh, yeah. yeah, lifelong learners and and anybody that's listening to the show is I'm sure the same way. <laughs> Absolutely. And and that's important. You know, that's the important thing what I love about you all's podcast is that it allows us as brass musicians, well I can just speak in terms of brass cuz that's my thing. But in terms of this you know, it really helps you fill in some gaps and they really let you know where the gaps are. And I think the most important thing is being a, 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 a lifelong learner is to understand where you have those gaps and where you need to fill those in at. Because again, you're not going to get it all 
um, throughout your matriculation and we continuously fill in those gaps. Oh, how can I do this? Man, I can't believe I was doing it like this for so many years. This is way so much easier. But you know, it takes it it takes time uh, and it really takes some patience. This is definitely a journey. And so I'm very thankful to, to be a part as I continue to learn more about the, the shop band tradition and, and all brass traditions in, in general and, and music. Uh, it really kind of helps me to become a better musician and to become more sensitive um, with how I approach things and the type of things that I um, that I program for my students to kind of make sure that I'm now providing them with the information that I've learned. And I think it's a it's a big sharing thing that should happen and, and should continue to happen. Yeah, the more information you learn, the more gaps you uncover. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. i mean we're scared of the gaps some, at some point in our life we always are a little hesitant of the gaps but the older i get i'm like yeah i needed to know that you know yeah. that that helps me become the best educator that i can possibly be um in this instance and then as i continue to grow because you want to you want to give your students the best you can possibly give them really thankful that you all you know reached out to me and 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 wanted to find out a little bit more about this this under-researched topic i think it's important to um first and foremost the tromone community but moreover the brass community that we understand this and we and we really have an appreciation for all music and and its purpose you know because every music has a purpose every every um music um has a meaning so i'm very thankful that you all took the time to to kind of want to find out a little bit more and kind of get things out to people on a broader spectrum via your platform so i'm very humbled and very thankful that you all took the time to uh to to hit me up about that yeah, yeah. of course so well, honored to have you yeah yeah very very thankful for your time as well and for your uh, you know sharing your research and filling in some gaps that we had and that that um because that's one of our goals with the show is to kind of uh, look at this, uh, you know, history of brass, uh, you know, the, the brass tradition in the United States, because it's not something that's taught, uh, you know, in any really kind of formal way at any university right. that at least I've been affiliated with or Chris has. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a huge goal. And today's, you know, hour here, you know, has, has really, really filled in some things for, for me, I know, and I'm sure Chris as well. So we really thank you for your time on a, on a Sunday morning to yeah. sit down with us and chat. I just want to say it, it, when I was looking at this research at West Virginia University, when I wanted to do this, I told my teacher, my teacher knew what was up. And then I went to the Horn professor and God rest her soul, Virginia Thompson, Dr. Thompson. I loved her. She, uh, she was on my committee when I, and I, and I showed her this because I was like, what do you think about this? And she says, Joseph, you have to do this. And I just remember, I remember her saying that. She said, you have to do this. Um, this is gonna be very, this is gonna be something that we need around here and we need more of it. And she was, she was really supportive of me um, 
and really kind of getting this out out there. And so I, I always just remember that that piece because you know um, she passed before I um, before I got to um, to finish yeah. uh, as a part of my committee. But she was a really big early on supporter, just in terms of me and in terms of uh, finding out more about this shout band tradition once I introduced it to her. Are you a uh, first to market? Or are you the first uh, academic piece of writing on shout bands? No, absolutely not. So I'm really glad you asked that. So there are, I think there's six now. You got Sherry Damon, Matthew Hafar, Bruce Hanchett, and Nick um, Spencer's did some booklet notes. I did mine, and I think one of Tony Baker's students did something um maybe a year or two ago so there there isn't a wealth of information um dr damon's research was pretty heavy uh just in terms of the amount of stuff and um that she put in there but you know at the university of north carolina she was around all of this stuff because the actual mother church and the mansion and everything it's it's all in um in in charlotte oh wow it's huge. Uh, and so she was really around all of that stuff. So there's about six of us so far that has really put in some, you know, I mean, so you think about it, there's only six and out of all this, this research and, you know, there's, there's more people that know about it that don't know about it. Um, you know, like around our ages and stuff like that, or, or have heard of it. So, uh, we're just hoping to keep getting it out there and, and have more people to find out a little bit more about it. Yeah, it's just crazy because when you watch these videos, they're not brass quintets walking down the street or anything. <laughs> these are like 30, 40, 50 piece trombone ensembles like rocking it. And yes, how is this not being talked about more? It's like a yes. large group of people. <laughs> and that's in yeah. one video. And that's in one video. It's happening all over one the video. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's uh it's it's something that I have enjoyed finding out more about. Um and I'm 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 really thankful for that. This this has been great. This has been fantastic. And again, reiterate our, our thanks for your time today. Um, where can people go if they want to find out more about your research, more about this topic, more about you, <laughs> what you've got going on and, and all that good stuff? Well, all my research is at the um, WVU libraries. All that stuff can be Googled. Um, you can find out about um, me. Uh, you can follow me on Joseph L. Jefferson underscore uh, trombonist uh, on Instagram, um, josephljefferson.com is my website. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'd love to connect with anybody that wants to talk, you know, music or, or brass. And uh, it's just constantly trying to improve because I'm looking to learn from people and, <laughs> and looking to share. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty active um, performing and, and presenting across the country. So I keep my calendar updated, you know, pretty regularly. So, you know, I'm I hope to be able to connect with people, but I'd love to be able to 
to to connect with some people from this from this podcast. Definitely, we'll have uh, all all links to your your website and and all that stuff you just mentioned up on our show notes page. So if anyone's interested for some clickable things, if you want to skip a Google search, you can go go to Excellent. our website. <laughs> outstanding, outstanding, outstanding. This has been wonderful. Thank you all yeah. so much. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's been thank you a lot of fun. There's actually two pieces of information that are kind of interesting. Uh, Dr. Jefferson confirmed after the episode that members of the United House of Prayer and their shout bands are not able to take secular gigs when they're members of the church and playing with the bands. Uh, if they want to play that sort of music, they are no longer allowed to play in the church. And that goes into something interesting that I found. I thought that Wycliffe Gordon has that shout band kind of uh, flavor to his sound, so I was trying to find if Wycliffe grew up in the shout band tradition, and he actually didn't. He uh, found in high school and in college and, and later in life, uh, found this shout music tradition much later and was so interested by it, but actually said that he was not able to just walk into a church and play in one of those bands because it was not allowed. Uh, he was able to eventually you know, be inspired by that music and try to adapt that style into his sound and his interpretation and make music uh, other ways after the fact, but we thought that this was an interesting part of the story of the United House of Prayer uh, shout bands. Thank you so much to Dr. Joseph Jefferson for coming on to the Early American Brass Band Podcast. I know Stephen and I both learned a lot this episode, and we're really excited to help become advocates and uh, and sharers of this tradition of music. Yeah, I'm going to go listen to some of the uh, musicians he mentioned uh, right now. I've still got my tabs open from Googling them during the episode, so I'm excited to dive a little deeper into this uh, after talking with Joseph today. So if you like what you're hearing, uh, as we said in the top, uh, Patreon, Teespring, social media, YouTube, our website, our email address, get in touch with us. We love to hear from you, um, hear, hear your thoughts on the show, suggestions for future episodes, all that good stuff. We'll have our show notes as always up on the uh, website for this episode where we'll have links to things that we mentioned and um, some information. If you want to talk to Dr. Jefferson uh, about any of this stuff, some, some good ways to get in touch with him. So we hope you'll check that out. This episode's featured album is going to be a little bit different. Steven and I are going to handpick a handful of shout band videos on YouTube that we both enjoy, and we're going to put them as uh, a list on our show notes as the featured album for this week. So make sure you go over to our website at eabbpodcast.com, find the show notes tab, click on this episode, and you'll see a list uh, under featured album of uh, a number of videos that steven and i have handpicked for you to listen so go listen to them <laughs> yeah. we handpicked them so you got to do it or else uh you know it's uh wasted not, wasted not, effort uh, i was okay there you go wasted effort i was gonna say wasted time it's like it's not wasted time i know no because no, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have i'm gonna have a lot of fun picking out my contributions to the list so it's not wasted time but we, we do in all seriousness hope that you'll go check these out um especially if you're not familiar with them already um this this tradition so we hope to see you over there on the website poke around a bit while you're there say hi and we'll, we'll catch you in the next episode 